Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome back to FASD Hope. This is part two of our conversation with Jelana Goble, author of A Love Stretched Life. So if you heard our first part of our conversation, we really dove into Jelana's journey. We dove into uh, Every Child, her initiative in in Oregon, Every Child. And we talked about um, FASD and what she's learned and what she wanted to have parents and potential foster care parents know about FASD. So now we're really going to dive into her book. And I've pulled some amazing quotes from her wonderful book, A Love Stretch Life, which you can now pre-order and you can find that information. We're going to be sharing that at the end of this episode. So I'm going to pull a couple of quotes and have Jelana just elaborate more because these quotes really spoke to me and you'll understand why when I read them. So Jelana, welcome back. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's so fun to talk with you. I love it. So Jelana, we're going to be pulling quotes and talking about this because again, your book just, and I shared that in part one of our conversation, your book so beautifully crafts your journey, your insight and actual educational points. So it's just a wonderful book and, and it really takes you on an adventure. So, um, this quote really stood out for me about foster care. And again, I know that this, um, this is something that will also resonate with our listeners. So this quote from page 175 in your book, um, if we approach the milieu of foster care with a results oriented mindset, we will experience nothing but frustration. That quote, wow, just really stood out to me. And it is a reality unfortunately, of what many people think about foster care is that results versus the journey versus versus the, you know, the, the actual journey of it. What do you wish more people would understand about foster care and the foster care system? I honestly think it's very easy to point fingers at the, you know, families of origin at the child welfare involved birth parents. Um, it's, easy to look at somebody in the pit of their addiction or, um, you know, untreated mental illness or domestic violence or incarceration. And just, you know, it's, it's easy to blame, honestly, to be like, you caused this. Now I'm engaging the fallout of what you have caused. And I think, well, you know, we have to hold the tension of so many things on this journey. Well, it is true that there is a direct connection here to the parent struggles and the child suffering. I really feel like through the opportunity, Natalie, to engage with some birth parents along the way of children uh, that I fostered and develop relationship with them, I realize that they have had a life of suffering and not as an excuse, but as context. And I think that context matters, that it's really easy to just, um, you know, when my son, uh, that we fostered and then later adopted, uh, first came, I was told that his, um, 
his, his birth mom was a meth addict. It's true. It's factual. That's true. But I think when we are only told that, that is such a, such a, like one slice of the picture, you know, and, and in the opportunity to get to know her, I honestly, I mean, she and I share all the time in state uh, trainings for caseworkers and foster parents. And so she's very open about her life, but um, without getting into all of those details, as she shared with me over time, I really felt this compassionate, like, you know what, if I had lived and experienced the unquantifiable losses and suffering and trauma and adversity that you have experienced in your life, there is a darn good chance. I actually might be standing in the exact same place where you now stand. So how would I want to be engaged with? And so I guess the first thing I would say to your question is just that this is a system that is engaging with parents who are suffering. Like nobody aspires to one day abuse and neglect their children in utero or otherwise. Nobody is like, I really hope I cause a lot of damage. Um, to recognize like there's, there's, there's suffering there, um, to recognize as has been mentioned before with the child welfare workers you've had on the podcast that people are doing their best. And it is in completely thankless job with, a uh, uh, just constant onslaught of heartbreaking details. I think some of which, you know, you see and you hear, and they're just things that are locked inside your brain that are going to be with you forever. And I think so many of our, um, you know, partners in child welfare have so much very trauma from trying to do the right thing. So I think, you know, when we have an understanding of the people that are working within the foster care system, the, the parents, the state caseworkers, the children, and, and we've talked about having the, the necessary lens on having the right lens on the kids that walk into our home, whether through foster care or adoption to just understand and be able to interpret uh, their, those behaviors and to be able to interpret, is this just something that with time as they ease into my home will get better? Or is this an invisible brain-based disability that though I can accommodate and that we can still make progress and learn and grow is ultimately not going to change at the heart of it. So I think knowing that the foster care system is comprised of so much brokenness, and that is not a newsflash to anyone. I mean, it is an overwhelmed, dysfunctional system. Um, and I think, you know, we all have to discern what is ours to do in this life. But I, um, I think, you know, when foster and adoptive parents can engage with the understanding that like, I want to make a difference here. And also, um, I will likely be transformed in this process. Like it's not a one-way arrow of, of transformation, right? Like there's some mutuality, like you welcome a child into your home. And I think so many of us think, oh, we're, we're wanting to do right by a child. We're wanting to like offer this love and acceptance and belonging and connection, all the things. And then to just realize there's a slew of things, both good and hard that is offered back to us in this journey. So I think for me, uh, I think so oftentimes I hear foster care and adoption, uh, just talked about in like one certain light. It's often talked about like being like beautiful and it is beautiful. That is absolutely true. And also I think we have to come with humility and recognize all we don't know, all that we still have to learn and all that we can learn from being a part of, of this foster care system. And, um, you know, all, all we learn by the 24 seven of the, the kids underneath the roof of our homes. 
or beyond. Like when you said you, yeah. your son is lunch now and it's still nearly oh, 24-7. Yeah. No, oh yeah. Yeah. He, he FaceTimed us at 6am, you know, not wanting to get out of bed for work. And again, it, it's just like, okay, yep. We're still on this ride. It's just, you know, he's a little further away from us, but we're still parenting to infinity and beyond. I think that's going to be a new uh, hashtag for us. So, and two things I got out of your book too, that you gently, but firmly remind readers is number one, um, when you are fostering the relationship with the birth parents is extremely important. You really hit that home when you were talking about your relationship with Jennifer. And I'm not going to share about that. I want readers to learn about that. But that is a reminder that when you adopt, not only do you have that relationship with that child, but you have that relationship with their family. And it can be a beautiful hard relationship. But I I think about the relationship I have and our family has with our daughter's birth mother. And I'm so thankful because again, it's hard, but it's beautiful and it's complicated. But so many times in life, especially when we put on this faith-based brain-based lens, the, the most complicated things turn out to be the most gorgeous things if we just step back and look at that. So you you gently and firmly remind readers about that, the importance of that. And the second thing is that just like you said in part one of our conversation, that it's not a I'm a foster parent or nothing relationship. It's a I can be involved in so many different aspects of this, especially if we want systemic change in foster care. We need to be a part of that change and recruit other people who anybody, anybody can be a part of this journey. Like you said in your book, the local coffee shop, you know, the, the local store, they can all be a part of this journey. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what's been so inspiring to see with every child organ is just that it's not, you know, it's not just for the person wearing a government badge. Uh, but there's, there's a role for all of us to play. And I think, you know, oftentimes the it's, it's rightly so that the, you know, when we talk about foster care, that the emphasis is on the child rightly so. And also I really feel passionate that when it is safe and appropriate to do so same would apply for, for adoption that, you know, having a very holistic view, um, it, it, it can, it certainly seems messier. Honestly, I write about this, Natalie, about how sometimes if I'd gotten a glimpse, a future glimpse of my life down the road, I would have peaced Run the other out. way. I would have, <laughs> exactly. I would have been like, I'm sorry. Like some people might be cut out for this, but not me. Um, and because I, I would have let fear of all the things I didn't know. And, you know, it's yeah. And so I, I just am grateful. I consider that a huge grace in my life that I, didn't get those future glimpses. Um, I can honestly say that about, you know, having a 13 plus year relationship with one of my adopted child's, um, mothers. And I can honestly apply that same concept to our journey with our child with FASD. You know, if I'd gotten a future glimpse, I would have said, this is too much. This is too hard. I probably would have said the most annoying phrase that people oftentimes repeat to me and would have said like, some people are cut out for this, but like, I'm not one of them. And like, you know, God gives special children to special people, all the the things like I I can recognize, like, you know, if I'd gotten a glimpse, I know I might've, I might've said some of those very things that are just so infuriating. Mm -hmm. Um, now, but I think 
there's a, there is a holistic picture, you know, like you're talking about with your daughter and it's hard either way. Right. Mm-hmm. sometimes it can be really hard to engage in the extra mess that that can bring. And it can be really hard not to engage in the extra hurt mm. that that can bring. And so, you know, I think that's where we just have to trust that God is going to give us discernment of like, what does our child, what does our family need right now? What's the next right step right now? Like we're not looking at the 15 year plan of how this is all going to be. We can't move the hypothetical pieces around like a chessboard in our mind. Like what is the next right thing for our child and for our family right now? And then to also have, you know, the, the bio parent in mind when it's safe and appropriate to do so, what is best for them right now? Amen. Um, Amen. And this is an in, in the moment journey. This is not a thinking about down the year, you know, down the road years journey. This is an in the moment journey. And, and I'm so glad, Jelani, I'm so glad you're, you're, you're saying that. So a couple of more quotes before we let our readers know about how to get your wonderful, wonderful book. This quote also resonated with me because we are currently doing a different stage of interdependence with our son. You know, listeners know that he's, he's living in an apartment with two roommates, um, very close to our home, but far enough away where we're just, again, and it's a new chapter of our parenting him. Our parenting never stops. You know, we, when you have a child that has an FASD, it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong you're in it for the long haul. Uh, But this quote just really stood out because Our listeners know that one of my favorite words is interdependence. Mm -hmm. And you talk about it in a different way, which I love the way you talk about it in this context. So the context of this quote is you're talking about it as us, the caregivers, having interdependence on others. You know, so often when we talk about interdependence in this journey of having a child with a brain-based developmental disability, we talk about their interdependence on others. But in this quote, you talk about it as us, the parents, the caregivers. So this really resonated with me. Interdependence is actually a beautiful inspiration. So let's talk about that because we're talking about not only supporting the child's needs and what they need now, but supporting the families, the caregivers, the biological parents, the system, What can individuals and communities do to support foster families and children in foster care? For example, every child is a a great example. And really thinking about that interdependence in mind. I think it's such a good question, Natalie. I think, you know, I write in a love stretch life that self-sufficiency is really like our highest American value in so many ways. And it is unfortunately, oftentimes the, the, one of the highest values in our faith communities as well. And I think having a child with FASD kind of begins to unravel. Like you're right. We talk about like, there's an independent interdependence on us to be an external brain. Um, but what does it mean for us to have an interdependence on others? Because I feel like the, the journey of like, I'm not going to ask for help. I'm fine. I don't want anyone to know I'm struggling is actually just a recipe for like, loneliness and, um, grief (laughs) and there's enough grief without the extra loneliness. Right. So, um, I think, yeah, I think just the idea that like, we need other people on this journey. I think this is part of what your podcast does for listeners, whether they have people in their tangible community or not, just knowing we are not alone. 
that's huge. That is so huge knowing that we are not alone. With that being said, I will still say this journey is lonely. All of our unique stories are lonely. It is helpful to know that we are not alone, but that doesn't always feel like it's enough to pull us through in the, you know, in the moment, which is why we talk about, uh, like you say, you know, your hope baton, but I think, you know, it's important for those that are wanting to, well, you know, wrap around others or for others to wrap around you. I would just say to, to be, um, have a, have a circle of friends that you can really be honest with kind of like, Hey, we can laugh and we can cry in the same, (laughs) in the same sentence together. Um, or we can laugh about things that would not be funny to anybody else. People might think we have like a terrible dark sense of humor or whatever, but it's just because it's like sheer self-preservation that we have to laugh or else we will be weeping on the floor. Right. So, um, I think being honest about like how, when other people say like, how can I come alongside you? I know I've had a tendency for years to be like, Oh, thank you so much. I'm sure there's other people that can use it more. Like we're fine. Um, I am learning to not be so prideful, honestly, in that area that like, I, I, you know, I want to be seen as like a high capacity person. I want to be seen, you know, that I can do all these things and keep all these balls in the air. And the reality is I can grit on through and I can actually do that. And that can become like an MO that's, that's not healthy. I think for people that are offering to come alongside, um, I am letting them as time goes on. And as this journey, quite honestly, gets harder, let them come alongside also, part of our interdependence is that, you know, we went to a church small group for years and then it became very apparent, Natalie, that like that just didn't work for our son for a plethora of reasons. And therefore it didn't work for our family. And so, you know, Luke and I were like, man, is there anybody else like us that can't be out past 7 PM that has to, you know, all, all the things, right. All the considerations. And so we started our, our own group, um, many, many, many years ago, we called it family feast. We keep it super simple and we have invited five families who are all experiencing some sort of other parenting journey. It doesn't have to look exactly like ours, but we all kind of have that in common that we're a little bit can feel like misfits at times, you know, when we're, and, and they come over once a month and we all, um, engage for dinner. And when time allows, we, we are able to really share and connect and other times it's, you know, the kids are running around and we're just trying to control the chaos. But the point is being together and finding your people, I think is such a, uh, the first step to like enter to, you know, into interdependence. I think oftentimes with foster families and adoptive families, others can kind of feel like, well, you raised your hand, you signed up for this. So good luck with that. You know, and I think for us to realize, um, let's not be prideful. Like, yes, we did sign up for that, but that does not mean that we knew absolutely everything, nor does it mean that we shouldn't be entitled to ask for help or to share with others, uh, what we, what we need. And so, um, yeah, those are just some of my thoughts around, around interdependence, but I really do think so much of our pushback comes from how we want to be perceived and tying back in to the highest value of self-sufficiency, which is just you and I both know we need to let that go. It's the fast track to burnout. Let it go. Exactly. Fast track to burnout. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. This conversation, part one and part two, I am gleaning, I am gleaming so many nuggets of wisdom from you. And and yes, 
we need to just let go of those expectations of independence because we, the way God built us, we, we're built for interdependence. We're yes. built to serve each other and to help each other. And, and you just so wonderfully remind us that in, in your book and in your ministries. So, oh, I love it. Thank I love you. it. Um, so we're talking, obviously this conversation has been filled talking about your faith. Um, what has surprised you the most, um, about your faith on this hard, but beautiful journey? I think starting back when Luke and I were 25 and welcomed Royal, our first foster child, that was really kind of the beginning of like, well, the beginning of selflessness that parenthood just requires. First of all, that was new to us because we'd never parented before, but it was the beginning of really looking at, um, being able to say like, I'm not going to be able to put, pull myself up by the bootstraps. Honestly, this answer correlates so well with the last one of just saying, Hey, like that we are in over our head, like up until this point in our lives, we've been pretty self-sufficient. We really hadn't needed a lot. We were kind of the givers. We weren't the people who were in need. We wanted to be the people, you know, offering to help, not the ones needing the help, all the things. Um, I think that through this journey of fostering through the journey of honestly having the gift of proximity to people who are different than me. I know that might sound kind of like basic, but I'd never before engaged with um, parents who were in the pit of addiction or untreated mental illness or domestic violence. And I just think, you know, we learn over and over and over again that God has a special heart for those who are suffering. And I think it's allowed my heart to break for the, for the very people and things that break God's heart, which to be real, um, uh, I wasn't super exposed to, you know, before. So it's really easy to kind of stand off to the side and like, think we think we know what we know when we're seeing, you know, just a sliver of the picture. And I feel that all the time, like with my son melting down, right. Pick a menu, any menu. I think previously I would have been like, wow, if a child, you know, I would have never said this, but like internally, I probably would have been like, if a child is kicking and screaming and cursing in public, oh my gosh, imagine how that, that child is talked to at home to be repeating such things, you know? And like, that is my child now through and through and through. So it has just been humbling. So I think God has given me a lens to just say, hold yourself back, Jelana. You do not know as much as you think, you know, like the world is not black and white. Like I, uh, and, and to recognize like there's, there's, there's so much gray in, in this fostering journey that exposed me, uh, to, to just different people and situations and disabilities and like all the things, you know, uh, uh, that I've been exposed to that foster care has like really shaped my heart. in. but I would say it's definitely given me a, a more compassionate heart to see others and to slow my role with recognizing, oh, I don't know what's going on here. And, um, you know, when I encounter others who are struggling to have a really compassionate lens first, rather than a little bit of an inner monologue of like, wow, you know, so, uh, it's certainly, it's certainly, uh, it certainly changed me. And I, I say in the book in a love stretch life, like foster care really, um, has wrecked my life. And it's also saved me from a life of unexamined privilege. I mean, I think that that's the answer to your question right there. And, and taking that unexamined privilege and looking at it through, you know, just a faith lens, it's changed the way in which I see, see the world. 
Yes. Oh, amen. Amen. I am so, so thankful to know you, Jelana. And I'm just so thankful to have had the honor of being a, a, a pre-reader of this book and, and being able to kind of preview your wonderful book. So your book is available for pre-order now. Let's talk about uh, not only ways people can get your book and get in touch with you, but let's also remind um, remind our listeners what we learned in our uh, first part of our conversation about Every Child Oregon and uh, the other things that you're doing. So how can people get in touch with you or get your wonderful book? So A Love Stretch Life is available wherever books are sold. Um, I am just, uh, it feels kind of vulnerable to be honest, to be totally honest. It feels kind of vulnerable to have this like going out into the world, Natalie, but I feel um, encouraged by, you know, the fact that you've read it and that it resonates with you, that hopefully it will allow others to feel um, more seen and, and less alone wherever their parenting journey finds them. Listeners are also able to check out everychildorgan.org, um, check out some of the community mobilization work that I've, I've talked about. And then I would love to connect with, with your listeners. They can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Jelana Goble, and at my website, jelanagobel.com. Fantastic. And this conversation has been such a blessing, Jelana. I have just truly enjoyed our talking. And listeners, Jelana will be back on our show. You can count on it. And once her book is released, we will have it in our resources section uh, so you can go to it and then directly find it. So again, wherever books are sold, A Love Stretched Life, you can find it. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. So Jelana, you know that we end our episodes on Hope Takeaways. Before we do, I'm going to read one more quote from your book that just, again, really resonated with me and, and just really touched my heart. This is your quote. Hope is substantial, not something superficial served on a shiny platter and passed around like an appetizer to be consumed in one bite or like a magazine cover promising a whole new you in 30 days. Hope is gritty and acknowledges that sometimes losses are so deep that they will always be felt in the marrow of our bones and will be with us forever. Yet, we are still invited to be people of hope, even when we are weary. I, I cannot say that better. Oh my goodness, Jelana, that just that went right to my heart. Let's give a hope takeaway to our listeners. You're on this road, we're on this road, what, how can you pass the hope baton to them? I think, um, and as I'm saying this, know that I'm like <laughs> preaching to myself here too. Um, but I think we need to go gentle on ourselves. You know, we are holding the tension of, of the, the now and the not yet the here and the future. And we talked about how this is very much a journey where we are celebrating the small things and we are trying to live in the, in the moment of today, which is a very, very hard way to live. Um, it's just, a, it's, it's just a antithetical way to the fact that so many people can plan things out. Right. Um, and that's just not what our but our life affords us in many ways, but fear can drown it out. We've talked about that. It's easy to kind of think down the road and to just see nothing but fear. But I really do believe that with like the power of community and your faith and going gentle on yourself and really trying to understand your child to the best of your ability, that those are 
the, the, the things along with God that are going to keep us afloat. And with those wonderful, wonderful words of hope, we're going to end our episode, our wonderful two-part conversation with Jelana Goble, author of the new book, A Love Stretched Life. Jelana, thank you for being on FASD Hope. Natalie, thanks so much for inviting me. I've loved our conversation. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.